This is the Comedy Club. The Comedy Club. The Comedy Club. On BBC Radio 4 Now, in 1997, Chris Morris returned to radio with this dark, subversive and rather provocative comedy with repeated strong language. With repeated strong language. And it was originally only heard in the small hours on Radio 1 and not broadcast since, so quite exciting. Here it is, for the first time since then, it's Blue Jam. Knocky try to get in. All right, hello, while you lie still, biting hoover bag sweet dust in e-gob. And better than the outside, really. Possibly. No. Then blink emerge at last. And all people gone when now you needy, so needy like a mimi-mim. And when he be wretched out so long, he dry to fossilized munch, bending like a mad, angry with the ground. Absurd man, shoot him. Then he welcome. Ooh, ab welcome. In blue jam, blue jam, blue jam, blue jam. Come in. Right then, have a seat. Now, what can I do for you? Well, um, you came about last time? Oh, no, no. Um, it's... <sighs> Would it help you if you wrote it down? I... Uh... I feel... dog on a motorway. Hmm. I think you're in danger of getting run down. Let's take it easy. Pop back if things don't improve. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye, then. Bye. 
name is Michael Palmer. I'm 42 years old and I'm an optician. I've always felt that I am a baby trapped in the body of a man. And uh, about six months ago, I had a transplant operation to give me the penis and testicles of a baby. Um, I'll probably show you that there, that's just the very tiny little white penis. And uh, underneath, see there, the small pink sac with the um, as yet unsended testes. Suki Previn. I'm an architect. I've always felt that I look like I've got the body of a woman, but inside there's the body of a woman with the genitals of a duck. There's a lot of dust in the air. I can't see too well anyway because I pawned my corneas two days ago to buy a pair of shoes. The replacements are cheap and ill-fitting and the anaesthetic wears off quickly so 15 minutes later I'd spent all the money in the chemists on a week's supply of codeine. I ate it outside. I had to lie down on the pavement while the painkillers got round to my eyes. I hung my head over the curb to make them arrive faster. Before she ran away, my wife said this would happen. She even got the date right. I tried to remember the expression on her face when she said it. 
I had got as far as a large roaring mouth when a pair of shoes appeared next to my head. I thought they looked familiar. They were familiar because I'd lost them in a bet to the art dealer Jaffet Corncraig. That's rather good, he said. Is this a new performance piece or just a work in progress? I sold my eyes, I said. I can't see. He clapped his hands and jumped up and down, thoroughly impressed. That's very good. I like it. We must talk about this. Are you very busy this evening because I've got a new show on at the gallery, if you'd like to come along? I couldn't say no. I couldn't say anything because I didn't want to, and words don't form in my mouth when that happens. So he hailed a taxi and pushed me into it. As we drove through London, he talked fluidly about art. Coincidentally, I felt very sick. When I asked him whether perhaps he could return my shoes, he said, you really will make an excellent installation. Who writes your scripts? Corncrake's private gallery was full of people. It was also full of water, because it was really a swimming pool with pictures hung round the walls. The guests were swimming round and round and chattering. Corncrake introduced me to a hugely fitted woman called Hymenoptera, who helped me into the pool and gave me a drink. A man called Howard Znack touched me on the nipple and asked me what I thought about the Sarajevo school. I was about to say, please help me, when Helen Collop swam up, popped a cherry in my mouth, kissed my forehead and asked me how my mother was and then swam away again without waiting for an answer. Hymenoptera surfaced with a tray of crudités and shot me a greasy wink. It was at this point that the level of codeine in my blood became critical and the contents of my stomach flew out of my mouth in a surprising yellow jet which as my head sank below the surface acted much like a turbine propelling me ten feet backwards through the pool. The last thing I heard was Hymenoptera asking timidly, was that supposed to happen? I'd like to hear some music now, preferably the Bucharest Symphony Orchestra and Chorus performing Legati's Requiem, which should be played on a cassette machine with flat batteries. Start the tape now, please. Thanks. Ligatti's incorporation of polyrhythms contrives to produce one of the most difficult and crystalline pieces of music ever written. No piece of music ever summed up death better. No human being ever experienced anything so close to death while still being alive. Edward Heath attended the British premiere and asked the conductor whether he had the right music in front of him. That was before inflation and the three-day week and candles.
have a lot to do with your posture at the computer. Can I just look at your tongue? Yes. Do you get cold fingertips? Um, yes. Sometimes. I'll just take your pulse. Your spleen is dense. Mm. Have you had acupuncture before? I know. It's important for patients to relax fully before I start treatment. Otherwise it can be a bit distressing. Now, just put your wrist down by your side. You may feel a little tingle when I put this one in. The nails I use are between 9 and 14 inches long and half an inch thick. Okay, and now two They must go through the body part and at least two inches into the table, otherwise the patient will slide off when I prop them against the wall. Worry of your head at all? You don't want to. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do, Martin, is prop you up on your board. You might feel a little uncomfortable because you're taking the weight of your body on those nails through your arms. Yep. So you might want to try and just push down a bit. Yep. Often I'll leave several patients together along the walls half an hour. They're usually concentrating too much on themselves to notice anything else. Now, Martin, I'm just going to give your stomach nails a little tweak. Can you feel that? This one? Good. Sorry? Oh, Sarah's fainted. All right. Yeah, that's quite normal. I think the treatment is very successful. I've never had a patient come back. We have difficulty getting some of them to leave under their own steam. Just have to leave them out the back. They've normally gone in the morning.
，你喺度不过我唔会计冇嘢，细次细随便计要靓次都计。It was in 1987 that I had this dream. But it's only now that I realise what it meant. The lyricist Bernie Taupin was on the phone in Los Angeles. At the end of the call, he put the phone down and wrote for an hour, laughing hysterically. I have listened to the new recording of Candle in the Wind and have discovered that if you play it backwards, you can hear a profane message. It says, Jesus and your bush. That's no titchy marrow. This is a bawdy thought about the English rose and who she is with now. This is why Bernie Taupin was laughing in my dream.
Yeah? Did he? <laughs> hmm. 43? <laughs> Counting the cat. Um, a bit of reflection on the auto cue on camera too. Nah, it doesn't bother me. Oh, Sarah. What have you got for me today? Right, that's for the Peace Talks VT. That's 97 seconds, so you should get the pizza in, no problem. Those Jerusalem artichokes are for you if you've got a few seconds at the end. Are they tinned? I've said before, tinder no good, haven't I? Um, yes. Typical. Then I get fresh truffles and I get a bloody tinder artichoke. Mm. Well, I'll just have to spin the pizza out a bit. Okay. Then Angola, that's 72 seconds, so there's a sandwich and a couple of grapes. What sort of sandwich? Hen. Good. Uh, we've got the Clinton, that's two and a half minutes from Washington, so you can take a bit of time over the scallops and you could probably fit in the two miniature pints of beer. Oh, good, I like those. Yeah, put them there. They're great, aren't they? Mm. Anything for the sports results? Some Rams cheese. Ah, oh, yes, good. Um, and at 6.28 I'll make sure all the doors between here and the canteen are open, so you should get a clear run. Lovely, thanks. Okay. Sarah, um, what happened to the berries? Well, they're with the full-length Angola VT, so they've gone to the nine. Gone to the nine? Yeah. Well, Sissons doesn't need them. I need the berries. Why, why is he going to get the berries? Well, they go with that story. I know. I, I ordered them for that story because it was going to be in the six. And I need... Yeah? Well, I know it's been changed, but how do you expect me to do my job when my nutrition's all abused? Well, I won't get the C vitamins or the fructose from that, will I? Sarah, just give me the fucking berries, will you? Well, if I can't have the berries, then I'm not doing it. Yeah? All right. Well, then I'll... I'll just have to do the short Angola story twice, and then I'll get two lots of grapes. Well, it's either that or nothing. And I'll have to lead with the football results. I'll need that Rams cheese at the top to try and deal with the vitamin risk. No, lead with the sports results. Well, then I won't do it. But what about this orange? I can't have a bloody orange. It's got vitamin C, it's got fructose. I've got to have the berries. Well, then I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it, all right? <sighs> you know I've got to have my berries, don't you? Yeah. Yeah? So they'll swap back. Well, why didn't you do that straight away? You could have saved a lot of unpleasantness, couldn't you? Yeah, sure, I'll move it. No, you're right, you can't have my bucket in shop, no. No, is that better? No, it's empty. There, no, okay. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. Um, could you get me some gum? The stomach acids are really beginning to get to my teeth. Sure. Okay, thanks, love. Sugar. 
See, we be making love constantly. That's why my eyes are a shade. Blood burning. The way that we kiss is unlike any other way that I be kissing. When I'm kissing, what I'm missing, won't you listen? Brown sugar, bang. I guess high up your love, I don't know how to be. It's on my hinge. Fat up my ass. Fat up my fucking ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. oh sugar, when you're close to me. You love me right down to my knees And whenever you let me hit it Sweet like honey when it comes to me Skin is caramel with the cocoa eyes Even got a big sister by the name of Chocolate Brown sugar bay. It's high off of love, don't know how to behave Lick my puddle Cheeks in my fussy. Fuss my Polly. Fuss my fucking Polly. Oh. I'm gonna swallow my face. I'm gonna swallow my face. <laughs> Any minute now, the blowflies will hatch. They've been breeding in a scrap of kidney next to my left foot. I cannot bend down or move from side to side in here, and must remain standing with my face pressed to the thick glass. Still, I am lucky. When Susie found me, I'd been stranded on a traffic island for four hours. And when she suggested that she take me home, and have me walled up as an art installation, I agreed straight away. So here I am, in an alcove in her living room, being exhibited behind glass, next to a plaque bearing the name Berenz Oslo. 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 Berenz Oslo is the artist that did me. There is a copper tube to help me breathe, and I am naked except for a string vest. Some of my lower parts have been painted yellow. yellow. I think the cleaning lady pushed the kidney in through the tube, but it missed my mouth and fell to my feet. Susie is having a sort of dinner to open me officially. It seems to be a great success. Her face is all blotchy with anticipation as she waits for guests to react to me. I am a great hit 
when one of them taps on the glass and says, Susie, you're a genius. This is what art should be like, moving in a relevant way. I have instructions to reply to these comments by saying, I am very sorry, this art is crap. Of course, the guest is flabbergasted because they have no idea I can hear them. Only very recent Berent Oslo's come fitted with a ticket office intercom. They start raving about the magnificence of a piece of art that is capable of criticizing itself. That's remarkable, they say. That piece of art is capable of criticizing itself. As I continue to slag myself off, there is a buzz of expectation as Will Self arrives with his special pillow and a miniature chicken. He spots me and immediately delivers himself of the opinion that he has never seen a more kleptomasturbatory anthropoid. He kneels and says that now he has glimpsed all our hypocrisies in a neuroplastic ellipse. There follows a period of silent eating with occasional sobs and the passing and gradual filling of a tear thimble. been here for a couple of hours now. Susie summons the guests into an adjoining room. She is an excellent hostess. One girl stays behind because she is trying to chase the dragon and it keeps getting away. In the adjoining room there is a hatch which allows access to my back parts. Susie opens it up and the guests take it in turn to put their hands through. I gather from their language that they are attempting to read my arse. There's a kind of binary braille encoded in the relative temperatures of my buttocks. Extra verbs are in the roughness and adjectives in the formation of folds around my daisy. Presently I can hear squabbling Apparently my arse has declared that one of them is the slave master, but has not revealed which one it is. I am beginning to feel ill. There is no one to notice me except the girl with the foil. She sees that I am in distress and walks slowly up to me with a very unintelligent look on her face. She empties a lungful of dragon into my tube. My next action is caused by the combination of poppy smoke and the new development taking place next door, which some of the guests are calling Feed the Arse. A high-pressure jet of old stomach emerges from my tube just as Will Self is passing on his way home. We are all Huxley's badkins, he says, and vaults through a closed window. The truth is that events continued in pretty much the same way for a week. I think the girl who had shown herself clumsy with the horse may have died. The blowflies certainly did hatch and block my view completely, so that my abiding memory is of sounds heard through buzzing, mainly the rhythmical slamming of bare skin on alabaster as Susie succumbed with grunts to the meaty pleasure of each new slave master. I was eventually extracted by six men in contamination suits. They were extremely distressed. This happened two days after Susie went on holiday. I'd like to stay in
As a real old man in a wheelchair, huh. trying to shake hands with an elephant. seat. Now, what can I do for you? Well, uh, it's... What you came about last time? Um, no. No. Um. I, uh. I feel. Um. Like. A pair. Of curtains. together. See how that goes. 
so soft and blapped in cupboard, but other knuckles knocky try to get in. All right, hello, while you lie still, biting hoover bag sweet dust in e-gob, and better than the outside, really. Possibly. No. Then blink emerge at last. And all people gone when now you needy, so needy like a mimi mim. And when e be wretched out so long e dry to fossilized munch, bending like a mad, angry with the ground. Absurd man, shoot him. Then e welcome. There you go. That was Chris Morris in Blue Jam. Blue Jam starred Chris Morris, Julia Davis, Amelia Bullmore, David Cann and Kevin Eldon. It was written by Chris Morris, Peter Bainham, Robert Katz, Graham Linehan, Arthur Matthews and no one else. And there's more Blue Jam next week.